1: I'll hide till it's bright out. will just another lonely night. Are you willing to sacrifice your life?
2: They're staying in the shadows. Called probing. Make sure things are clean. clear. There's more for the rest of the morning.
0: You guys hear that? He's out there. Yeah. the show, everybody. You are listening to The Confessionals, a proud featured show on blogtalkradio.com. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being with us this evening. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. Now, this week, we have iTunes shout-outs like every week. If you go to iTunes and leave a rating and review, we will give you a shout-out on the following week's show. And this week's shout-outs is Irish Shame 78 Ricky Drew, Mysterio Stash, and Michigan1054. Thank you very much for going to iTunes and leaving those ratings and reviews. It means a lot to me, and it helps the show out a ton. Now, moving on to the Patreon shout-outs, if you want to become a patron and help support the show... Go to patreon.com backslash the confessionals. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com com backslash the confessionals. And there you're going to see a lot of different rewards there that you can sign up for to help support the show. A lot of great stuff we're offering there for the patrons. And this week's shout outs is Philip Anthony, John P., and Purple Rose. Purple Rose actually upgraded, and I thank you very much for that, Purple Rose. It means a lot to me. Now, before we get into this week's show, we're actually going to bring on David, who is a patron, and he wants to share some of his experiences so far being a patron. So sit back and relax and enjoy the little bit of a conversation me and David have about being a patron for the confessionals. Okay, so tonight I have David coming on here for a little bit, and David is actually a patron on Patreon, and him and I have been talking a little bit, and I wanted to see if he would come on and share with the audience what his experience has been so far with being a patron. So David, how have you been, man?
3: Uh, I've been doing really good. I've been working a lot, but uh, doing good.
0: Good, man. So uh, you, you've been following the show for quite a while. How long has it been so far?
3: I started uh, listening about six months ago, I guess. It's been. Uh, I found you on South Squatch Chronicles when you were a guest, and uh, been listening ever since.
0: Awesome, man. So I, I, I guess clearly you like the show because you know you, you're an actual patron and all that stuff. And I figured, you know, you're pretty much. There every time I'm doing something with the patrons. I mean, it, it's, you're pretty <laughs> yeah. consistent, and so I thought you'd be a good person to kind of gauge what your experience has been so far. Uh, you know, some of the things that you know we offer to the patrons, uh, not everybody takes advantage of. You know, and so yeah. you know that that's fine. I mean, it's it's your it's your prerogative. You know, uh, but you take advantage of everything. And actually, one of the things that we have been doing outside of everything else that we didn't originally advertise is we have been shooting video of me while I do the interviews live. So when I'm recording a show, you're there watching me do the show and you can actually hear the person talking and everything on Facebook live through the, the secret Facebook group. And that's something new that I just kind of thought of randomly. And I said originally that we were going to be doing random content, and that's some of the random content. Uh, what What do you think so far, man? Have you been enjoying being a patron?
3: Honestly, that's my favorite part of, of being a patron, is being able to see you do the shows live. You know, <laughs> when I first started listening, I wasn't really sure how often you did a show. And, um you know i, I subscribed and, and realized it came out every saturday but i was like gosh i'd like to listen to another uh, confessionals podcast so that's one of the best parts about it is you, you sometimes you'll do two in a week and it's like getting to listen to the show you know before anybody else so very very um you know happy you do that and um you know, glad that
0: I, I can listen yeah man absolutely I that's something I thought would be really cool to offer the, pa- the patrons just to give them that opportunity to get the first look you know the unedited version of the show I mean it's just straight raw audio but it's happening live and you know actually I think there's been a couple times since I've been doing it that you guys have asked questions I've actually used some of the questions on the show and things like that and you, know, you guys seem to enjoy it and I think it's really fun to do it and so, I mean, I th- I have like two to three interviews scheduled a week, and so it's not a problem for me to set up the camera and everything else like that to, you know, shoot the video and let you guys kind of tune in. And uh, to be honest with you, David, it's been making a lot more fun for me to uh, do the recordings. It's, not, it's no longer just me by myself doing these recordings. Now I have you guys hanging out with me. I feel like it's a little, I don't know, a little house party. It's kind of nice.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, even uh, last week, you know, there was a lot of stuff, um, you know, that I got to hear that was kind of additional content that the guy was saying after you were done recording the show. So people that, you know, like professionals are really missing out, um, you know, from my opinion. Um, So it's it's awesome when you do that. Um, And I've gotten... My sticker. I've got. Uh, well, I bought a T-shirt a- ahead of time before yeah, I even became a patron. But um,
0: that was before we were offering patron.
3: Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's it's the best show out there, in my opinion. And uh, can't thank you enough for doing what you do. Um, you know, give people a platform that you know isn't really out there for a lot lot of folks and. Um, Every minute of it is entertaining.
0: I just appreciate you guys. I mean, you guys, the patrons that signed up, I mean, you guys really kind of become good friends. You know, it's just, it's really nice to know that I have these people to fall back on that are fans of the show. And I can bang ideas off you guys. I've done it how many times with you guys? I mean, for crying out loud, I shared with you a new show intro just what last week and i told you guys i didn't like it but what'd you think and you know (laughs) some of you guys liked it some of you guys thought that the old one was better so we're gonna we all decided together that we're gonna keep the old one so i mean you know it's just been really cool to kind of see how this whole thing has developed with the relationship wise with you and the patrons and stuff and i'm really glad that you enjoy the facebook live stuff i mean especially like you know most people understand but maybe they don't i don't know Like when I say goodbye at the end of an interview, that's not the end of our conversation. That's more for just the show. And then there's more conversation afterwards. And so, you Mm -hmm. know, you guys get to listen in and hear that conversation and the dialogue and things like that. So, uh, And that's something that I never really thought about before I started doing the Facebook Live stuff. Until we started doing it, I was like, oh, these guys are going to get the chance to hear the after show conversation and the pre-interview and all that stuff. And It's just... It's a lot of fun for me And I'm just glad you enjoy it too, man
3: Yeah yeah, It's uh, been been so cool Just to even see how The whole process goes From, uh, you know Setting everything up With the collars Even seeing some of the Technical difficulties Every once in a yeah. while <laughs> I, I was saying to my wife The other day I really don't know how you do it uh, You know, what's Working all the time and then doing the show, but I know you, you're you're a family man first.
0: Yeah, I I do everything uh, family first oriented kind of thing. So uh, yeah. it's much time as I put into work and the show, my family does come first. That's for sure. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, David, man, I really appreciate coming on here and just sharing your experience with the patron or the Patreon whole setup there. If anybody wants to, they can go ahead to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com com backslash the confessionals. When you go to patreon.com backslash the confessionals, you'll see all the rewards that we offer there, everything, the whole setup. And uh, feel free to sign up and you can uh, firm request me on Facebook. And when you do that, I can add you to the secret Facebook group once you become a patron. So... Uh, once again, David, thanks for being here. I'll talk to you later, man.
3: All right. Thanks, Tony.
0: Okay, well, that was David, and I hope you guys are intrigued enough to go ahead and check out the Patreon page. That's patreon.com backslash the if you feel like you want to support the show, that's a great way to do so. So thank you very much in advance. Now, tonight we're bringing on Gary Wayne again. Now, we did a show with Gary Wayne on the Nephilim, and we hinted at thinking about doing a show on CERN. Well, tonight's that night. We're going to be doing a show tonight on CERN, and Gary Wayne comes on to talk about the details of this facility in Geneva. <laughs> okay tonight I have a great guest coming on a returning guest I have Gary Wayne coming on the show to talk about CERN so last time we talked to Gary he was on talking about Nephilim and and Gary, I'll tell you people loved hearing about that show how you doing, man
2: I'm doing very very well and glad to hear that people enjoyed our talk about Nephilim and it's you know kind of one of those fringe aspects of the Bible but I think, you know, from my perspective, it's very, very important. And it just spews over into so many different aspects of prophecy and understanding the Old Testament. So really enjoyed the show the last time.
0: Yeah, I did too. And and I wasn't sure. I I never— Quite sure you know how people are going to react to some of those topics because you know I have a very mixed audience so I have people who don't want to hear anything about the Bible and then I have other people who if I say the wrong thing they email me telling me <laughs> how I'm wrong and stuff so I wasn't sure how people would react to that that show but they they really seem to love it yeah yeah so I, well, I find it fascinating
2: and you know the the great thing about uh, the uh, the giants is it's not just a Christian Thing that is written about i mean it's in all cultures all religions all around the world so uh you know and they're making discoveries of giants in in north and south america especially you know the recent ones with the peruvian elongated skulls and the red hair so it's a, it's a fascinating subject and i think uh, it's going to continue to um, get more interest and more research is going into it all the time
0: yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. And I, I think as time goes on, just more and more information is going to be uncovered. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on for that <laughs> as time goes on. Uh, but today we're talking about CERN. And, you know, I started talking to some people about the fact that we're going to be doing a show on CERN. And one of the main questions that it kind of caught me off guard was people are like, what is CERN again? And so I, I was kind of sh- surprised that you know most people weren't totally sure exactly what CERN is. So today, today's show, we're going to be talking about CERN, but we're going to talk about the basics of CERN, kind of like you know the, the 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 genesis of it, and you know kind of some of the underlying symbolism that's involved here and things like that. Uh, so if you want, just take us away with you know what is CERN. Well, for people
2: that. Aren't familiar with CERN? This is located uh, just outside of uh, Geneva in Switzerland, and just an extraordinary amount of money is going into this science project, and it is uh, a giant particle particle collider. And what they're doing is is they're creating uh, speed with these particle board particles at a tremendous speed and colliding them and what they're trying to do uh, at least from what they're putting out in terms of the news is they're trying to figure out some of the beginnings to the big bang uh, theory and or to the beginning of the universe and looking to see what sort of happens when all of this sort of comes about and so that's sort of the superficial story that People should understand, except that there is just so much money going into it. Then there's the occult aspects of its uh, symbolism. And then you have quantum computers um, associated with it as well. And there's not a lot of quantum computers that are out there today. Um, There may be more. My information might be a couple of years old on quantum computing. But at that time, there was maybe six or seven in the world, and they're using it in conjunction with CERN and for AI intelligence in other aspects. And so quantum computers tend to work in the subatomic level and in multiple dimensions. And that's one of the sort of the keys to being able to quantum compute and What's important about that is is when you're working at the quantum level is is you can get to the subatomic level and that's why they're trying to intermarry that up and have a computer that can work in different dimensions. So as a quick overview, that's what the
0: the at least the projected story is about CERN. Wow, so the quantum computer is supposed to work in different dimensions. It, it sounds very um Paranormally to me and if for for science to be utilizing something like this, do they look at it that way? do they look like they're, do they look at this as something that they 're diving into more of a paranormal realm or do they have some kind of scientific way of looking at this
2: Well, I think
0: both and, and I also uh, would say there's a very much
2: a religious sort of aspect to it, and so if you understand who some of the pioneers are in quantum computing you know, whether or not it goes back all the way to, you know, uh, Wolfgang Pauli. I mean, he saw his re- research through the occult and particularly Carl Jung or Jung, as I don't like slaughtering people's names, um, and through Eastern religions. And, you know, some if you move a little bit more forward in terms of some of the more important scientists of doing research on quantum mechanics and quantum theory in the quantum world, you have people like Niels Bohr and Werner Heisenberg, and a fellow by the name of, of Schrodinger. And both Bohr and Schrodinger said that their experiments were consistent with what they learned, learned in the Eastern Vedas. And that uh, quantum mechanics, according to Heisenberg, you know, it – the quantum theory serves to to make sense to people who have read the Vedanta, and then, as you read more into what they uh, speak and talk about is they believe that the multiplicity of dimensions at the quantum level is completely consistent with the doctrine of the up and Jets so pretty much and as you move forward, um, anybody dealing with atomic um theory uh is seemingly talking from a reference from eastern religions which is a very very interesting perspective is if they believe that you need to understand the vedas to understand quantum computing which they say you do and from the aspect that this now becomes not just a scientific experiment it becomes more of a matter of a belief system and you wonder which one is driving what and what they're actually trying to do?
0: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to this stuff, it seems like uh, the, the 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 border between you know scientific minds and beliefs kind of gets very cloudy to me. I, it sounds like yeah. even the scientists themselves hold these certain beliefs that they're holding on to tightly, just like a just like a Christian would. Like it's it's gonna be hard to convince a Christian that Jesus Christ isn't ever in existence. You know, like it's gonna be hard to do that because you hold on to those beliefs, and I feel like. Uh, you're starting to see similar things on the scientific end of stuff uh, when it comes to the symbolism and things like that, I think the first thing when you talked when you mentioned symbolism to me uh, the whole logo of CERN uh, a lot of people say that there is symbolism there. Would you like to go into that at all? Well, yeah, some people
2: might get a little bit you know carried away with some of the symbolism in there and they're projecting three sixes coming out of that but Typically, though, the the most direct connection to the CERN uh, logo uh, and how the CERN uh, collider actually looks is a stylized version of the god Shiva out of Eastern mysticism, which again is a rather interesting kind of connection. So as soon as you start talking about the god Shiva – And Eastern mysticism and now connect that to the beliefs of of what many of the quantum particle uh, theorists um, believe you need to read and understand to work in quantum physics. Now you have another connection back to Eastern mysticism. And, you know, the god uh, Shiva was the god of the underworld. And that's where things really start to move forward in that sort of occultic sort of manner. And then I think most people, if they, you know, I, I think it was out two or three years ago, there was a special ceremony at CERN and in the tunnel, and they had a lot of the workers all dressed up in these strange costumes that were very occultic and doing very much an occultic ritual that is just absolutely bizarre to watch. And again, you wonder is this really cold objective science or does this have an agenda that is maybe a little bit more religious based than what they're portraying it to be
0: yeah i mean with shiva you know I, I think i heard somewhere that she's like the goddess of destruction or something like that and then having her as a mascot to CERN uh it, it like i said it it kind of clouds your beliefs with science and things like that with with the whole yeah. tunnel opening and things like that i mean uh was that like a, a ritual like almost like summoning lucifer himself kind of thing is because i've heard that
2: yeah so um people are thinking that they they were trying to uh, you know um elicit uh fallen angels and or demons and and things like that and perhaps they were but this as you as you dig into this theory of what they're trying to do that not only is scientific but has a religious connection is is that they believe that this is more than just breaking down the particles i'm going to talk a little bit about particle particles in you know hopefully before the show's over because that's really important to understand and where they're thinking about how this relates to the vedas but also that multiple dimensions aspect which is part of string theory and which is part of quantum theory now and is also part of the up and shads that we talked about and so uh, when you combine that with a quantum computer that works in in different dimensions and can actually be in multiple dimensions uh, at the same time you have this this Sort of coming together of concepts that suggest that they're trying to do more than just break the particle particle down. Um, that they're trying to open up some sort of gate to the uh, to another universe or to another dimension, and that is very much related to Shiva and gods associated with it. But it is, a, you know, uh, also part of a cult. Belief, where they're trying to open the gates and we're dealing with codes and systematic uh, numerology and, and quantum type of uh, programming. But from a geomancer perspective, from the occult, it's like a geomancer is someone who is uh, like a gatekeeper who can create uh, portals between the worlds. And they believe that in this occult belief system that the world is really like a – the universe is really like a projection from a quantum computer, which again ties into this understanding of why they need a quantum computer and that the universe and the earth are basically cryptograms in this hologram which are codes encoded into the universe and they call that part of their sacred geometry. And that Earth is actually a sentient and an intelligent um, being of sorts, uh, you know, conforming to mathematical and geometric laws um, that, you know, we don't fully understand. So there's this – like I say, there's just so much of this occult sort of overlay onto this experiment that you have to really dig into – the two aspects of what they're doing. I think there are two goals. I think there's one for the particle co- particles, and then there's one that is for the gateway. So to start of underline how prevalent this occult ideology is in it is, is that CERN it actually goes back to a couple gods, and uh, not only is it re- and it re- is related to Shiva, but from a Western perspective, you have a god that is in the Druidic pantheon. And his name is uh, Sununos, uh, C-E-R-N-U-N-O-U-S. And this is a horn god. Uh, This is a god of the underworld. This is a a god of uh, the woodlands. And very much like the hern god that you see coming out of the the Druidic uh, religions, and so that name is really quite a coincidence. And then you go into the Etruscan, which is the pre, you know the culture before the Romans, um, whom inherit a lot of the Etruscan culture and religion, and you have another god called CERN, and there's not, none of that Unos on the end. It is just strictly CERN. And this again is pretty much an identical god with uh, the Sunonos god, uh, in terms of being a god of nature and a horn god. Um, I won't go into all the details of this rammed horn god, but it is also associated with Apollyon. And Apollo, out of the Greek mythology, in Apollo can be spelled as Apollyon or Apollo. And Apollo is not only a sun god, but also the god of the underworld again. And what's interesting about Apollyon is it's associated with Revelation 9 and the abyss and what gets released out of the abyss in the end time noting that in enoch the book of enoch and what many people believe from a religious christian religious perspective is that the abyss that the impassioned fallen angels who created the the nephilim that we talked about in the last show were locked into are going to be released in the end time as recorded in revelation nine and the leader of Uh, these really strange-looking creatures that come out of the abyss in the end time is called Apollyon in Greek and Abaddon in Hebrew. And, of course, Apollyon is the equivalent god in the Hindu religion, which is Shiva. So everything sort of comes full circle with that. And then there is a temple that is three kilometers from CERN. And it's called – and it's in uh, St. Ginny's uh, Puili. And Puili is a French name, and it derives as et- etymology from uh, Apollyon. And this temple is dedicated to Apollyon. And so this Greek god of death wow. and of the underworld in a temple dedicated to um, to Apollyon, uh, who is out of the abyss in in another dimension, is located three kilometers from CERN. And, you know, I just do not believe that is a coincidence.
0: Yeah, and I mean, they want you to think that, right? Because I'm sure you're not the only one that's brought that up. And I'm sure they've been confronted about that. And they just think that's they just want to say that's a coincidence, right?
2: Yeah, it's just a coincidence. And uh, there's no real attachment to it. Uh, but again, when you see them with that ceremony that was so occult in nature, um, you you really wonder what they're trying to do. So, And this whole idea about reaching into other dimensions sort of goes back to the idea of, of is are they trying to release the impassioned angels who created the giants uh, before the flood and perhaps again after the flood and were locked away in the abyss? Uh, for, their, for their violations against creation sooner than their ordained time? Is that what they're trying to do? Or is this sort of going to be a fulfillment of prophecy that finally when they get this done that they can use this technology to, to release these uh, these fallen angels? And, you know, when we look at the Tower of Babel, and I won't spend a lot of time here, but uh, Nimrod after Babel goes to Mesopotamia, and he's the father of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, and the Akkadians as as they descend down from a biblical perspective. And so when they recant the story in Akkadian of the Tower of Babel, they don't look at Babel as meaning – confusion of languages as it means to the Christians and coming out of the Hebrew translation, they translate it as L E L as in God and Bab as in gateway. And again, people wonder whether or not um, what Nimrod was trying to do with, with the tower as opposed to trying to reach into the sky was he building something with technology that was trying to be a gateway to the gods because that's what Bab, Babel will uh, translate from in, a, in Akkadian and one again wonders
0: whether or not that's what they're trying to do here. All right, well, let's take a break right now. When we come back, we'll get back into it with you, Gary. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, what they tried doing before, they're just trying to do again. And you mentioned about the releasing of the fallen angels. I mean, I I don't know. If they do it, I would say that that was probably the ordained time then. The Bible doesn't say, I mean, you might be able to correct me, but I don't think the Bible says how the angels will be released. Uh, Well, through
2: an angel comes, falls from the sky. And some people look at that as another fallen angel with a key, but What's the understanding of a key? Is it a physical key to unlock them from the abyss prison or is the key some sort of mathematical cryptogram or code to release them that I was talking about in terms of using the quantum computers to crack the code and as they believe in geomancy and that they are gatekeepers through these codes and uh, uh, to the portals. So hard to know, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you think that artificial intelligence plays any role into this? I mean, do you think artificial intelligence could be the, the you know quote unquote maybe angel that unlocks things or something like that? I mean, where do you where do you stand on the whole artificial intelligence thing?
2: Well, again, if you look at what Google's doing with um, quantum computing and some other organizations, you, you seemingly you need quantum computers to have artificial intelligence. Okay, and so. You see a coming together of that, and then you have this use in multiple dimensions. So I guess the question gets to be is, is do you need a quantum computer to be that smart um, to, to provide the artificial intelligence? And I'm thinking that's probably not the case because right now these quantum computers, as powerful as they are in that they can store – so much more knowledge, I mean, the last time I heard was like you know thirty five times over what all the particle particles are in the universe um, so these are i mean what would, would take a supercomputer five hundred years to calculate this is a supercomputer a quantum computer could do in less than a second, but it's not a wide ranging capability at this point in time then they're using it more for surgical calculations and things like that so but it doesn't mean you couldn't develop the quantum computer beyond to be more than just sort of singularly focused uh, and they probably will but at this time it suggests that uh, although it can do calculations at a speed uh, that is just unimaginable it's it's hard to understand how they would project uh, an artificial intelligence that way unless of course it goes to the second part of what I think they're trying to do at CERN. So maybe it's time I talked a little bit about that. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so, and again, it will start sort of in the Eastern mysticism that the scientists seem to be heavily involved in, and in the, in the Vedas. And also understand that in this particle, core, particle collider, they're trying to break things down at the quantum level. And there's a lot of thought that they're looking for something. Some people call it uh, the God particle. Um, and there's a few other names that, that are attached to it. And sort of superficially, it's more what they're talking about is, is you know, something at the Big Bang. But not really if you get down into their belief systems. And so in the Vedas, they believe and also in Taoism um, – they they believe in a different kind of particle and many believe and i think that they're they're probably looking for this particle and it's called the atma and that's spelled a t m a and in other versions it's atman a t m a n and what it is is a particle that Uh, a they haven't been able to find and they can't really see but they know it's there they think because of what it does and so it has different properties than most uh, subatomic particles and they believe that this atma particle contains a soul or a consciousness so you can start to see a connection into ai here and that it also has eternal knowledge and the two aspects of of godhood which they're going to i think try and present in the end time is uh, some sort of immortality in the physical world and knowledge and those are the two bases of mystical religions on how you're going to become a god immortality and knowledge and to be able to discipline that knowledge and this particle core does not degrade in any way and in the quantum level you have what they call quantum entanglement so that uh, whether it's in a different dimension or at other ends of the universe they're entangled, and they can transfer information instantaneously. And they can be in more than one one dimension and more than one spot. That's all part of um, quantum theory. And it doesn't have um, any more elemental particles to it. And it doesn't merge with particles. It manipulates these other particles. It works through them. And so this is the God particle that is the living life force that they're searching for that works through all of these particles, that stores all of the knowledge in the universe, that communicates it instantly all over the place, you know, to all aspects of the multiple universes. Um, And it animates particles so that they actually vibrate, which is, again, part of that New Age uh, vibration. And all particles vibrate, by the way, for the most part. And vibrating to a level of, they call, into the harmonic convergence, which will give them godhood. But also the, with the aspect of being able to access this god particle that stores all of the knowledge. So one wonders, as they do AI, are they trying to find this particle um, that they call the god particle or the atma to assist in creating of the artificial intelligence?
0: So if they find this particle... Uh, How dangerous could that be for, I guess, humanity, really?
2: Well, anytime
0: we get over our skis and we do that um,
2: too much and we don't have the wisdom and we don't understand the power, bad things can happen. And I think that's part of this coming together with um, the end time and that when you have – Uh, at the mark of the beast and the Antichrist. Uh, I think there's a good case to be made that they're going to be offering godhood for you to take this oath, to take this mark. And this mark has something to do with quantum computing and at the subatomic level, and it may actually change your DNA somewhat or be a violation somehow against the laws of creation because In the Bible, there's only one sin that you're not going to be forgiven for, and that is sins against the Holy Spirit or blasphemies against the Holy Spirit, depending on which translation that you're looking at. And that's very, very strange because you have these fallen angels in the abyss who they're trying to get these fallen angels out, I think, for violating the laws of creation who aren't going to be forgiven and uh, are going to burn in the lake of fire forever uh, at the at the end of uh, you know at the time of the judgment and the end of the thousand years, and you have these people who take the mark in the Bible who will also not be forgiven uh, for taking the mark and will burn in the lake of fire with their uh the gods that they followed, and no other peoples are said to be sentenced to that. So I think this whole mark and artificial intelligence and changing things at the quantum level are about violating the laws of creation and presenting a godhood format in the physical universe between knowledge and immortality. And then when you start mixing in all the different kinds of transhumanism that you can have, whether or not it's a creation from uh, fallen angels to create supermen, whether or not it is DNA manipulation, whether or not it is uh, some sort of um, bionic parts, uh, whatever you want to call it, that they're working hard to do right, and including cloning. Um, and you match that up with the access to the knowledge of the universe, and you have those two things that they can offer in the physical world to stand up against the god of the universe and rebel just as they like to do with their allegories in, in Star Wars.
0: So it's, it sounds to me like almost they're pursuing this in a sense as a – I don't know if it's such a basic word to use, but as a weapon gearing up for battle against god himself.
2: Yes, Yes, and I think you know we are advancing at a level that is unprecedented uh, unless um, you believe that before the flood they were actually more advanced than what we were before the flood wiped out that civilization, and that's certainly possible, um, certainly from what Jesus said that you know days is days of the end time and a second coming would be like the days of noah and if their technology through the sciences that they develop in the anti-dulubian epoch the seven sacred sciences um, that freemasonry you know likes to uh, promote and are the same sciences that are developing at extraordinary levels today were combined in the anti epoch from the illicit knowledge from heaven as so many other accounts and whether or not it's the book of enoch or religions around the world coming from the gods that um if we're not in the end time quite yet, then that means their technology was more advanced than what ours is today. And so we will, I think we could be seeing a repeat of that. Wow,
0: that's, that's incredible. I mean, I was going to ask you what your thoughts were on that because uh, I tend to lean towards the idea that we do have uh, lost technology or lost um, knowledge on certain things that we're starting to come back around to learning again and understanding that we had, you know, in the antediluvian world. Uh, and it sounds like, if I'm reading you right, that's kind of like where you're leaning towards as well.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think uh, they did develop uh, the sciences and with the help of the gods or the fallen angels or the ancient aliens, whichever perspective you want to come from that on, uh, and developed and, and created monuments to those beings that they either worshipped or were being helped by them that we can't even think about doing today. And in locations we couldn't do in today, like Machu Picchu, for example. It's like, how how would we even think about doing that today? So they had a technology that was very, very, very advanced. And we get from, you know, the Bible that the whole world was corrupt. Not just violent, but the whole world was corrupt. And I think, my my speculating in theory on is is as i match all that information up is is that they were not only violating the laws of creation from angels mating with uh, humans and possibly other uh, animals to create some of these fantastic beasts of prehistory that comes out of mythology but also changing the genomes uh, and uh, the plant world and also cross-pollinating DNA manipulating DNA in the and in you know before the flood and so they corrupted the whole world in that manner and we're at the cusp of being able to do all of that today and i don't think that that's a coincidence
0: no not at all and i i kind of i kind of come from the idea as well that like when it comes to the whole mark of the beast like you were talking about earlier uh i do think that it's somehow it's going to be Technological. It's not going to be because I I think when I was a kid, it was commonly discussed as you know, oh, you're going to get a tattoo or something like that. Like I think it's it's technological and it's something to do with like changing our DNA itself, and and it's now you're dealing with the transhumanism aspect of things where you're no longer human.
2: Yes, they're they're going to create the new man, right? That and it's going to be probably reserved for um, only selected people, and that's the elite in. You know, the people with the spark of the, design, the the divine or the thousand points of light. And, you know, one thing that I didn't make a connection to previous, but this might um, interest some people that are uh, listening, is that in um, the Book of Enoch, you have the leader of the watchers who create these Nephilim uh, and gets locked away in, in the abyss is Azazel. And Azazel is very much similar to the, uh, the god Pan. And Pan and Azazel seem to be, as they um, have different names across different cultures and languages, it seems to be that god Apollo and Abaddon, the one who is the destroyer of the ancient world. And so I wonder whether or not this Azazel is, is actually this Apollyon. And again, if, if, if that is a true connection, then you have – you know, almost a full circle of worldwide testimony, talking about the same events in prehistory.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You, all right, so let me hear hear this right. You said Azazel, uh is possibly known as Pan. Is that how I? Heard? Yeah, because
2: the okay. Pan God is the same God as uh, as uh, as Apollo, and is again another sort of uh, uh, nature god and a horn god. Um, he's got a whole bunch of different other aspects that I won't go into, but yeah, I think very much you can make the case that the Pan God is the same, um, same God as, uh, CERN and Apollo and thus
0: as Aziel as well. All right. Well, I mean, cause you just said that you won't go into, but I'm going to ask you a question because I I did hear, uh, <laughs> so I, I can't remember what I heard about Pan, but is Pan like some kind of perverted God? I can't remember exactly what I heard.
2: Yeah. So this is a half human, half goat. So you have a similarity to Azaziel, just as all the other gods were horn gods, right? They're like um, goat gods that I mentioned earlier. And it's uh, a god that plays the flute right just as you have in the fairy tale of the pied piper you know leading people uh, away um and uh he's called uh, peter pan as an allegory in a, another fairy tale um and that's it is a very much uh a chosen allegory of fairy tales because fairy tales are very much connected with the occult um and so the connection on that is is that the god Pan would fly at night with his Peter erect, and now you have a fairy tale named Peter Pan, and he would seduce uh, and have sex with, with young nymphs, which is, again, what Azazio would do, right? And so you have Wendy as a nymph in Peter Pan. So all of a sudden you start going into this netherworld, and this world that they escape to is a land where you never grow old, and it's in another dimension just as um, Azaziel was locked in in another dimension in the abyss. And so you see this complete allegory sort of playing out. I won't completely tell the whole story of Peter Pan today, but um, (laughs) – and and so – uh, the god pan is also um, the fertility God uh, you know of the woodlands and a horn god as I, I mentioned and he has pointed ears which again Peter Pan has pointed ears and um, you know the green aspect of Peter Pan reflects that wood um, nature God that that Peter Pan is and uh, aszazeiel is is son of Zeus which is sort of the head of the Greek pantheon, when and Azaziel would also be a son of you know, a son of God as well, or or an angel, and so you see all of these um, allegories connected to to uh, to Pan.
0: Yeah, and see that's what I find so amazing. I know we're, we're we might I don't know if we are veering off course or not, but we're just going to keep going with it uh, because when I heard about Pan and what Pan is all about, and just like what you just laid out, it to me it sounds like. There's a some kind of link. It, it seems like everything kind of comes back around full circle, and to me, it seems like there's some kind of link to uh, Satanism. Uh, I've heard that. Um, I've heard that part of satanic worship. Uh, so I, see, that's the thing that let me ask you this. I hear so many different things evolving, like Satanism, uh, and some, I guess, sects of Satanism don't do certain things that others do, but I. I do know that I've heard that, you know, part of uh, Satan, satanic worship can involve uh, child molestation, uh, things like that. Do you think that Pan has a direct link to that at all?
2: I think so. And uh, Pan or Azaziel or the many other names for this god that they might uh, worship him as in their occult rituals, you know, has that sort of direct relation. And I think they have uh, at the adept level, at the mystical level level not at the lower levels of mysticism or the secret societies but at the adept levels they have all sorts of these bizarre and not very um, good things to think about in terms of their uh, rituals not only in terms of pedophilia orgies uh, to please their gods but also in sacrifice and blood drinking and all sorts of other perversions so it's it's not it's not just rumor it's actually part of their the occult religion which they perpetuate that goes back into the mists of time again
0: yeah and, and you see you see these things come through uh, in nowadays with your leadership with throughout the different nations and you have you know CERN dealing with a lot of these different uh, gods and goddesses and with you know, even in the, Amer- in the United States and the, the rumors and the, and that the leadership is there are certain leaders that are involved in satanic worship. I've, to me, it seems like everything kind of comes back around full circle to this struggle of power of good and evil.
2: It is. And we've been presented as science as just being knowledge, right? And objective. And it, and it really never has been i mean it could be but there's a bias to it just as you know the age of modern science begins in about 1660 with what they call inside the craft you know the last of the sorcerers and the first of the scientists and that's where freemasonry and rosicrucian comes together to form the royal society that all science reports to and has respect for even to this day and the Royal Society had, you know, has the same goals uh, at that time, and they still do today, as what Enoch and Lamech and Tubal Cain and uh, Jabal, who is the the big patriarch of, of masonry uh, of the seven sciences, um, and their patriarchs of masonry and the secret societies go back to these people, uh, as they say in their uh, writings and their legends and their history. To the people that I just named, that is the descendants of Cain, not from the Seth line, in case somebody's wondering. And the names are similar. You have Lamech and Enoch, which are identical, for example, in both lineages. And what they were trying to do with the sciences at that point in time, in which they again began in about 1660 with the start of the Royal Society, was to lead people away from God and to not give God of the universe credit for anything, the creation of it, uh, any good that happens in it, they're not going to give him credit for anything, and to worship and honor the pantheon of the gods who gave them the illicit knowledge in, in the sciences and developing of the sciences, uh, and they would build great monuments to honor them that we see coming out of, of, of prehistory. And this is the same thing that's been trans. Referred to the start of the development of the seven sciences. And it's the seven liberal sciences that they like to promote. Everybody knows and has heard of them. They just don't know where they came from and how they're developing them. And they're developing them with a you know, specific bias, just as philosophy will come out of the first three sciences, and that's what's going to be the one that guides them in, in the belief system. And out of these seven sciences and the development was the creation of the mystical religions, and the secret societies who partnered with um, the fallen angels to create the Nephilim who usurped the antediluvian world and whose dynasties usurped the royal dynasties after the flood. And so when we look at what's being done in science today, it's all done with a preconceived agenda. And if you fall outside of that agenda or preconceived narrative, you don't get funding, you get persecuted. And the level of that persecution goes up if you're trying to insert anything like in, let's say, in um, uh, the creation aspect in an intelligent design. Uh, Anything that has to do with creation design is automatically eliminated. And you know science is supposed to be cold and objective and consider all things. But uh, And just as when you see in archaeology that if they have a discovery that doesn't fit the preconceived narrative, they call that an upar, an out-of-place artifact, and they just ignore it. So we don't have this cold, secular science. And then if you peel back even further and you understand that it's this you know the rosicrucians who are one of the creators of the royal society is one of the main secret society groups that is polytheist and um you know the freemasons will answer to them in the hierarchy but they're the ones who have preserved the the western religion of of this what we understand is eastern mysticism and polytheism that they call gnosticism and then they created theosophy to be the bridge That was going to be the religion for the end time that would bridge science and religion back together. And this is the religion that's behind the founding of modern
0: science. Okay, well, let's take a break and uh, we'll be right back. Do you think that there's a possibility that we could ever really have a non-bias scientific examination of these things? Because I feel like as they uncover things that might not go with their preconceived scientific notions, they, like you said, ignore it.
2: Yeah, I don't think so because there's so much control over it now. I mean, you won't get funding unless you're going to go out and research what they want the answers to and if you come back to with the wrong answers you won't get any more funding and so there seems to be less and less tolerance to research outside the box let alone less and less tolerance for free speech period that seems to be going on and it's quite frightening as to how we see that ramping up in its intensity so i don't think in this world we can expect um an unbiased use of knowledge and science. And I would also say that in this world, um, and some people may find this odd for me to say it, but let's say if we had a world dominated by a Christian church, I don't think that would be biased or unbiased as well. I think it would become corrupted. I think anything we do in this world is going to be corrupted.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. Uh, Do you think that all the things that are going on at CERN, the things that they're doing— do you think that all the scientists that are there are in the know of what they're doing? Or do you think there's a lot of ignorance being played amongst the, you know, the everyday, quote unquote, everyday scientists that work there?
2: The everyday scientists may not um, be included uh, in terms of the agenda and the forces behind um, The funding and what they're trying to accomplish. I think when you get to be, you know, the leaders of the scientists, I think at that point you've you've already been initiated through the Royal Society or through different secret societies and you're already into mysticism um, and you're fully bought into what you're trying to do. But I think just as in all... Secret society structures, you have let's, – let's take Freemasonry as, as the classic because most people are familiar with that. And You have a you know, third degree, which is the York rate, right, and 33 degrees that are in the Scottish rate. Right. And at the third degree in New York and the 33rd degree in the Scottish rate, right, you become an adept. You become illuminated. And the Illuminati is what is at the center of, of uh, illuminated Freemasonry. But below that, you don't have – all the knowledge you don't. In fact, you're told mostly half truths and lies, and it's they don't really know what's going on at the top, and only at the top, as you become initiated as an adept, do you learn the true secrets and the true agenda. So I think that works through the whole organizational structure, including scientists. Okay, you
0: know this is kind of like uh, shifting gears a little bit, but this is a question that was submitted here. Uh, it says there have been some meteorological phenomena around CERN. Specifically, the time CERN has events, does the activity bear any weight on the environment around it? So I guess basically saying the things that are going on at CERN, does that have any kind of reaction to the environment around CERN?
2: Well, you can only speculate, um, but I think for you know, any time you have an action, you have an equal you know, reaction to it. I think that's basic science. So if you're dealing with Uh, things that go back to the creation of the universe, if you're dealing with things that are going to um, enter into multiple dimensions, then yeah, you ought to see some sort of unexplained um, feedback coming back to the exercise of those experiments. And the other thing that tends to go along with CERN and other high-level research areas is is a higher level of alien um, sightings in terms of unidentified objects that seem to be around those areas, that seem to have an interest, I suppose, is is sort of the thought. Whether or not that's all true and that's proven, I mean, again, I'm only presenting what um, people say about it. But I think the answer, you know, simple answer to the question is yes.
0: Yeah, Uh, Well, along those lines of, you know, the different, you know, sightings of aliens and stuff like that around it, uh, is there any possibility that they're opening up some kind of black hole or wormhole that would be allowing things like that to come through in in that area?
2: Yeah, I think so. And basic alien, ancient alien mythos and and alien mythos is, is that they do come through portals, right? And portals is a significant part of the occult world. And, you know, you've got, and it's throughout uh, fairy uh, mythology as well, and they guard these portals to the other world or Anwen or to Tartarus or to other dimensions. And so not only do you have sort of flying saucers coming through these portals through the oceans and certain places around the world, but you also have these what they call fairy dolmens that are located on all continents around the world. And they're kind of these mini Stonehenge um, sites uh, so you've got these rocks that are standing up and then they're capped with other huge sort of rocks um, and they're called fairy domens. and Domen translates as portal and again it just it's one of those constants that's in all sort of religions and uh, mythologies around the world is this idea of, of going through these portals into other dimensions and just as fairies guard these portals so yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a, a certainly a possibility that uh, whether or not they're actually aliens as they're going to be presented to us are the ones going through this portals. I think there's some significance to that for sure.
0: All right, I have another question here that was submitted by one of our patrons, and he says uh, Luke says, "Is CERN privately funded?" Well, there there is private funding, but there's also a lot of government funding as well. Okay, so. Th- definitely the government has their hands in it yes it's it's a uh, a private uh public um project okay that's kind of contradictory to me private but public <laughs> private but public <laughs> uh, it,
2: some people used to call that national socialism when they worked like that but <laughs> i'm not going to i'm not going to project the uh the nazi overlay on cern i don't think there's i don't think we quite see that although you can take uh the Nazis back to the
0: occult, but anyways, yeah, sure. I digress. I digress. <laughs> if you want to dive into that, I'm sure there's a YouTube a YouTube video somewhere that you can watch. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, Stephen Hawking. I heard that he's very concerned about CERN. Uh, have you heard that? And what was some of his concerns with it?
2: No, I haven't heard what his concerns are. Uh, but if there's somebody listening that would like to. Uh, pose that up as to what he's saying I've not heard um, his concerns about CERN I I have heard that he's quite concerned about artificial intelligence so maybe that's kind of what it's around.
0: Okay, well maybe that's what it is Uh, I'm assuming his concerns with artificial intelligence are Pretty much the same that I would have is you know pretty much we're all going to get killed by robots one day. You know?
2: Yeah, I think we've all seen at least one movie, and we all know how that turns out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it se- it's it just seems obvious that there's lines that you know you you just can't cross, but we don't seem to have those reins on anymore. We just seem to be developing science and knowledge for development.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I feel like just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And I feel like we're pushing the line where, I mean, it's just, to me, there's certain inevitabilities that are going to come with the advancement of certain technologies. And when it comes to artificial intelligence, like even for me personally, my own everyday job, I'm a truck driver. And I can't tell you how many times I find articles of the, you know, Peterbilt, Freightliner, these different trucking companies coming out with trucks that drive themselves. And I'm thinking, We're inventing ourselves out of jobs, and eventually we're going to have to get a a check from the government every month because there's not going to be any jobs to have.
2: Yeah, I just don't understand this whole ideology of putting people out of work, and they keep telling us these half-truths that, well, you're just going to be doing a different job, but no matter what, there's less and less – Good jobs as we go. It's like it's almost like they're saying, hey, we want to create, um, you know, a, a world of slaves because we are going to drive them down into poverty because there won't be any good jobs left.
0: Yeah. So uh,
2: it, it just I, I don't know why it continues. It's like and, and you can put controls on that.
0: <laughs> right. It's just I feel like we have to just keep pushing the envelope. You know what it is? It's that once you have access to this kind of technology and stuff, there's always going to be that one person that has the ability to, that is willing to push the envelope and see how far you can go. Even though you kind of know where it's going to go in the end, you just have to yep. see if you can do it. Like, I just want to see yeah. if I can actually do that, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you look at, you know, the creation of the atomic bomb, right? And... Um, You know, and this is a destroyer of worlds. And I think the world's done a very good job of containing it. But the longer time goes on, you wonder what happens with somebody like, um, you know, the leader of North Korea who has seemingly, you know, worked several working bombs. And once he has the ability to deliver it, will he do that? Because typically, that's what happens, right? Once you develop the knowledge, it will be used.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's that's one of my biggest concerns with with CERN, pardon the pun, but uh, it's just (laughs) that, you know, there's certain things that I feel like uh, we just shouldn't be messing with. And the things that I'm hearing that's coming out of CERN is definitely uh, worrisome to say the least. And uh, I just, I don't know. There's nothing that I can do about it personally, uh, but it just it, it does worry me, but really, it's not going to do me any good worrying about it.
2: Yep. Yeah, and even if it's not some of the things that we've been talking about on this show, it's they don't know what they're going to find or what's going to be a consequence thereof. And you know, when you're pushing to those kinds of levels where you don't know that, that just seems to me like we're not ready to cross that threshold.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Well Gary, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and kind of sharing some things about CERN, just giving us a very basic fundamental uh, understanding of what CERN is and how things operate a little bit.
2: Terrific. And uh yeah, so uh I always love talking about CERN and uh You know, it's been a little bit quiet lately on on developments kind of coming out of there that that I'm aware of. But watching it like a lot of people are and seeing where it actually goes and uh, also watching, you know, that development of the quantum computer and AI, because I think they're all sort of interconnected where science is going.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, before we get out of here, where can people get a hold of you? I know we mentioned on the show before, but where can people find you if they want to ask you questions?
2: If you, you can get a hold of me through Facebook under Gary Wayne and or Genesis 6 Conspiracy pages, and I also have a group if you want to join that, uh, Gary Wayne and the Genesis 6 Conspiracy. You can just uh, look for that on Facebook, or you can get a hold of me through my website and email me questions or comments, and that's the Genesis6conspiracy.com, Genesis6 with the number 6conspiracy.com. And if you do ask me a question, I will definitely get back to
1: you.
0: Yeah, and I can vouch for that. I mean, you're very active on Facebook, and you do keep a tab on what's going on with your material. There's been times that I'll share one of your things, and you've actually seen it, So, and you comment, thanks for sharing. So you are very active, and uh, you socialize with people, and I think that's a great thing for somebody with your knowledge to be able to just kind of interact with people and share what you know.
2: Terrific, and uh, that's what it's all about is uh, getting the information out there and having people – develop that information.
0: Absolutely. Well, Gary, I really appreciate you coming on today. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Well, that's the show, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I know I did. And before we get out of here, I just want to let everybody know on April 14th, 2018, I'm going to be in Cannonsburg at the Frank Saris Library. I'll be helping to host a town hall meeting where people are going to come out and share their local encounters with Bigfoot. I'm going to have some people coming out where they're going to share their story on what they saw locally in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. And it's going to be a great time. Doug Waller is going to be there speaking, sharing a lot of detailed Information that he's gathered about Bigfoot. I highly encourage people to make plans to come out to the Frank Saris Library in Cannesburg, Pennsylvania on April 14th, 2018. I'll be there. I'm traveling five hours to be there. So if you're within a five hour radius, I would highly encourage you to set some time aside, make the trip out, and check things out. Meet me, meet Doug, and have a good time. Anyways, I hope you guys have a great week. Take care, stay safe, and I'll see you right here next Saturday night on the Confessionals. Bye, everybody.